Welcome to Hope Sabbath School, an in-depth, interactive study of the Word of God. We're in an amazing series, God's Mission, My Mission, Your Mission, Joining God in His Work. I'm excited today because it's, a, it's an interesting topic, Mission to the Powerful, and I'm excited because one of our team members will be teaching the study. So welcome to Hope Sabbath School. Welcome to the team. Good, good practical studies, aren't they? And I'm excited today because Stephanie is going to be leading the study on Mission to the Powerful. And we're glad people around the world write and say, I like the team teachers because thousands of people are starting study groups around the world. And we say, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Rodney, good to see you as a remote team member today. Amy, great to have you back. And Sabina, great to have you with us again. This is a great study, and we're glad each one of us can be here. We're glad you're here, too. In fact, I've been encouraging you during this series to write to us. And that's because we are encouraged when we hear from you. SSHope at HopeTV.org, especially if, like Stephanie teaching today, you're leading an interactive group, maybe two or three, maybe a large group. We'd like to hear how God's blessing your ministry. Sandra writes to us. Actually, Sandra and her husband write to us from North Carolina. Thanks for writing in the United States. Hello, Hope Sabbath School family. Nice, Got the wave. We're waving to you, Sandra says, and sending big hugs and smiles your way. My husband, Vern, and I have been studying God's holy word with you for several years. Amen. We thank God for your ministry. We pray He will continue to reach out to us and so many others in the world through Hope Sabbath School. And we say, Amen. That's why we do this, right? That lives can be blessed, not because we are great, but because God is awesome, right? Amen. We want to thank you for your love for Jesus and your burden for those who need to know the truths of God's Word. Hold tight to your faith and keep on keeping on. <laughs> we're here, we're listening, we're with you, and we are looking forward to the coming of Jesus. Amen. I'd like to meet Sandy and her husband, Vern. Because of your ministry, Sandy writes, we are sharing the gospel with those in darkness. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks for writing to us, Sandy, and, and greetings to your husband, Vern, there in North Carolina. United States of America. Here's a short note from Moses, and he says, Greetings from Papua New Guinea. Huh? Mm. Hope Sabbath School Bible study is so inspiring. Thank you to the wonderful Hope Sabbath School team members. Well, Moses, we're going to give you a wave right now in Papua New Guinea. We're glad you're part of our Hope Sabbath School family. Thank you for writing to us. Here's a little handwritten note from a precious donor in Texas who sends a note regularly. And I just want to say how beautiful this is. The note says, Greetings to you all. I went to Chicago for 10 days, and I miss you all so much because they don't have Hope Channel there. <laughs> I want my donation to go to Hope Sabbath School, and I want to double my donation, half for Hope Sabbath School, half somewhere else that it's needed most. Thank you for a Sabbath school well done. Keep up the good work 
and God bless you all. Well, you know who you are, donor in Texas. Thank you, and a donation of $100. Amen. Bless the ministry. I just pray that you'd find joy today as you're watching the program, that you're part of this amazing miracle of God. And I want to invite you, perhaps you've never partnered with us before. We're a donor-supported ministry, and we can say that without apologizing because we're actually all volunteers. I know I happen to have a responsibility with Hope Channel, but this is not part of my job description. We believe in what we're doing. Am I right? Yes. We believe in the mission. We'd like to invite you to partner with us. HopeTV.org slash HopeSS. Click on the Donate button, and we'll say thank you, God, for your partnership. One last note from Haruna in Japan. Mm. Haruna writes and says, Hello, brothers and sisters in Hope Sabbath School. Hello. Hello. My name's Haruna from Japan. I've been watching Hope Sabbath School for many years, but especially in the past two years, because I have become a leader of a study group in my own church. Amen. The Bible study is also always taught wonderfully. It helps me to understand the Bible and how to teach others. Mm -hmm. The number of people who attend the Sabbath school at our church has almost doubled (laughs) since 2022. Wow. Praise the Lord, writes Haruna. We'd just like to thank each one of you for living out the life with a deep dedication to God's Word. God bless you. I hope to meet everyone one day very soon. And we say... Amen. Amen. And you know we will. Hope Sabbath School members, if not here on this earth, in the kingdom of God, we will gather together and we will give God glory that His mission was accomplished in our lives, but also Mm. through our lives. Well, right now we're going to sing a praise song and then Stephanie will lead our study, Mission to the Powerful. It's a 3,000-year-old song. You've learned it already. You can download it, by the way, from our website and the sheet music. It says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. Let's sing it together. You know, while we're singing here, people say, well, you're not a choir. No, we're not. But we are wanting to declare God's praises. Am I right? The one who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We just want to praise him and tell of all his marvelous works. Let's sing it one more time together. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of your marvelous works. I will be glad.
Well, I'm looking forward to this study because I believe there are some powerful people, maybe in your country, maybe in yours, who need to know that God loves them with an immeasurable and unfailing love. Stephanie, thanks for leading us as we pray. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word that guides us. And we ask that today it would speak to us personally and give us direction as to how we can be co-laborers in this mission with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 So our study topic today is mission to the powerful. powerful. So when you consider the thought of a powerful individual, what does that look like to you? Characteristics. Go ahead, Gladys. Somebody who has authority over other people or influence. Mm -hmm. Influence, authority. Someone who occupies a very key position in a place. All right, a position. Yes, Harold? Very rich person. Someone with (laughs) possessions, maybe. All right, Kailinda? Political authority or social authority. Political or social authority. You know, I'm thinking, Stephanie, it might be for good or for evil. So, uh, yes, there are powerful people who are totally disconnected from God and are doing evil things. Mm. But praise God, there are also powerful people whose hearts are open and there's a mission to help them uh, join God in His mission. Yes, I appreciate that perspective. The power could be for good or for evil. Mm -hmm. So let's take a look in our Bibles. We're going to start in the Old Testament, looking in Daniel chapter 3, and we'll look at some of the actions of King Nebuchadnezzar. Sometimes it's easy to look at someone's actions and maybe assume that they aren't necessarily a candidate for salvation. (laughs) Uh, But let's take a look at King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And Gladys, would you start our study today? Sure. Have your reading from the New Living Translation, Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And he says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he has set up. So all the officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Then a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, cither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. So what do we see there that King Nebuchadnezzar did that might have disqualified him as a candidate for salvation? Well, we we know that the statue was following the dream. And in the dream, he saw that there were different kingdoms. So he was like, no, this is all about me. So he forgot all about that God said that there will be different ones. So he wanted everybody to know that he was going to last forever. Thank you, Gladys, for referring us back to Daniel chapter 2, right? Mm -hmm. Let's go on to verse 19 and 20 of the same chapter, Daniel 3, 19 and 20. And Zendili, would you read that for us? So, uh, and I'll be reading from a New King James Version. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, 
and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they hit the furnace seven more times than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. All right, now what has he done? He's punishing those who refused to bow down to the statue that represented his kingdom. Mm. Mm. Why is that so offensive? Because it is only God that we're to worship. It is. And he's throwing in the individuals who actually saved many mm -hmm. in the previous chapter, right? Yeah. 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 This it's is true. very offensive. Kenneth, did you want to say something? Yeah, the, the other thing is um, the fact that he, as a human, is commanding worship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That yes. is the troubling mm -hmm. aspect of it. Mm -hmm. All right. His ego was hurt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He, was, he wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to, to, to be revered. Mm -hmm. So this, these three men were just, you know, very, it was challenging mm -hmm. his authority. Derek. You know, Stephanie, this is a classic example of misuse of power. Mm. They had done nothing, as you said, from chapter 2, except honor him and support his kingdom, including Daniel's interpretation. And, and they were saying, we know the commandments of God. Mm -hmm. Don't bow down to graven images. He should yes. have been rejoicing to have people of such integrity mm -hmm. That's right. in his administration. So this is a classic misuse of power and and from our perspective should disqualify him from ever being considered for salvation absolutely well just in case we have questions let's go to daniel chapter 4 verse 30 and amy would you read that for us daniel chapter 4 verse 30 and i'm reading from the new king james version and it says the king spoke saying is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? <laughs> all right, so what do we see here? It's all about him. It's all about him, Nancy yeah. says. Pride. Go ahead, Kailinda. I think that he also, as was mentioned, it, it's, a, it's a point of pride. It's forgetting that God has, you know, provided him this seat of power and he's had many evidences before that in chapters one through three in Daniel where God has shown himself that he's above all that he's the one who can take control of the kingdoms mm -hmm. and here Nebuchadnezzar says nope I think it's still me right mm -hmm. short-term memory yes, yes. right mm -hmm. so what and I say that because what example had Daniel Shadrach Meshach and Abednego provided mm -hmm. for this pagan king. What example? Well, he, Daniel interpreted his dream when he couldn't even remember what mm -hmm. it was. Then he saw Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego not only survive, but he saw the Son of God in there. Mm -hmm. So he had tangible evidence wow. that these were servants of the Most High God. Mm -hmm. And now Daniel also told him before this happened, the dream about the tree. Right. Mm -hmm. So he knew that God was telling him, hey, wake up. That's right. Rodney. You know, Daniel 4, verse 30, Stephanie, reminds me of uh, a, a, a text in, in, or texts in Isaiah, where it reflected 
Lucifer saying, I will ascend to the, mm -hmm. to the height. So I will do this and I will do that. It sounds very similar to what uh, was recorded there. And what you see here is a consistency all the way from uh, verses one to five, where he wanted others to bow down to a graven image, which is, you know, defying that commandment. We see also he's actually sanctioning the murder of the three boys, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. again, going against um, God's law that says thou shalt not kill. Again, you just see a consistency of going against God and also now declaring that I will be, you know, the, I, I have the mighty power of, of Babylon. So it, it is, he's going down the wrong road. And so it is, we could easily say at this point that he would be disqualified from himself. <laughs> <laughs> so how did God then capture the attention of King Nebuchadnezzar? Ooh, Can right. someone summarize what, what Daniel chapter four says? Who wants to sh do that for us? Travis? So Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and it's a dream about a tree. And this tree is huge and it feeds the nations and it provides shade. And, and then this tree is chopped down and um, he's confused and he has all these, uh, his, his magicians and astrologers um, come in and they can't tell the, the interpretation. So Daniel comes in and lets him know, this is you and God is going to do something to you. You are going to be brought low. You're going to be eating grass like a cow. This is going to happen seven, for seven years. Uh, but God's going to, but, but he tells him about God's grace because he says, God's going to let the stump remain and you will be restored. But this will be happened so that you know that the God of the Most High rules. And then, of course, we read chapter 30 and he's like, this ain't going to happen to me. I've built Babylon and it, the words haven't hardly left his mouth and he's made to eat grass like a cow. He grows long hair and long fingernails and he goes through seven years of this, but then God restores him. And when he's restored, he realizes not only is God powerful, but God is merciful. And he tells the story. Actually, he tells the story to let people know that God is an amazing, all-powerful God, but all-loving God. Amen. Amen. And, and I have to say that, lest we miss it, in verse 27, there's a plea. Mm -hmm. O king, mm. I counsel you, break off your sins of uh, unrighteousness mm -hmm. and your iniquities. There was a warning there and it wasn't an immediate, you're going to, this is going to happen. Yeah. But he persisted, yes. he persisted in his course. Mm. So thank you for sharing that. Now, after, after God gets his attention, <laughs> um, there's, I'd like us to read that, verse 34 to 37 mm -hmm. in Daniel chapter four, verses 34 to 37. And Rodney, if you would read that for us, Daniel chapter four, verses 34 to 37. And I'm reading from the New King James Version, Daniel chapter four, verses 34 to 37. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored mm. him 
who lives forever for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing he does according to his will to, to, to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth no one can restrain mm. hand or say to him what have you done at the same time my reason returned to me and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, mm. all whose works are truth and his ways justice. And those who walk in pride he's able to put down. Mm -hmm. Amen. So what impresses you the most about the testimony of this converted king? Mm. Kailinda? I think if we look at the earlier verses, you know, in Daniel 2, after he says the dream, mm. the king falls and worships in front of Daniel. And Daniel says, no, please don't do that. In Daniel 3, when the three men are saved in the fiery furnace, the king calls them out and he makes a decree you need to worship the, the, the God of these men. So in Daniel 4, at the very start, he acknowledges that Daniel ha has the spirit of the Most High God. But this time, after this effect, it says here in verse 34, he lifted his eyes to heaven. Mm. He wasn't looking at Daniel. He mm. wasn't looking at the three men. He was now, for the first time, He's lifting gone. his eyes. So I think it's a conversion that hopefully sticks this time. Yeah. Amen. Zendili. Uh, what I learned is that he had been so arrogant. And as we defined earlier the meaning of powerful, like how we consider powerful people, he had a lot of people under his subject. He was a king and he had people who were looking up to him. So when he declares this public uh, conversion right now, other people will see, other people will look at him and like, well, God did this for Nebuchadnezzar. He can still do it for me. So it's more like mm -hmm. a testimony to his subjects as well to see that there is a God in heaven. Mm -hmm. And that is interesting, going back to what Kalinda had said, as well is that the previous testimonies were not his own That's right. conviction. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Serve the God mm -hmm. of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but now he's saying, I, I. Mm -hmm. acknowledge him. We're going to go to Travis and then Rodney. I think there is a valuable life, life um, example shared here, um, and that is this, God did not render him useless. He didn't mm -hmm. bring him down and now he's not useless for ministry. God is a God of restoration. Yeah. God took mm -hmm. him through a low valley. He took him down to show him where he was, but restored him. And I think it's important. I know there's many people watching thinking I've messed up. I've, I've screwed up. And now, you know, I've go gone through these things. God will re can rest and will restore us to a position of influence again, if we trust him. Praise and, God. and praise Amen. him. Amen. Praise Amen. God. Rodney. Oh, I love what Travis just said. Uh, <laughs> chapter four to me is a chapter of grace. Yes. We just yes. spoke about uh, chapter three, where he was just going down the line of disobeying God, almost like step by step. 
But here it is that God has provided an opportunity for Nebuchadnezzar and yea for us, mm. where we can also, though we have gone astray, we can also return to him. Notice the tree, the stump was still there and the roots, which means that there is an opportunity for Nebuchadnezzar in this particular case and for all of us to be mm. restored by God's grace. We just need to give him that opportunity. Mm. Amen. Thank you. Amen. And this testimony, I'm wondering from your perspective, how does this testimony of King Nebuchadnezzar changed as you were studying for the lesson today, or will change the way you pray for mm. those who are in powerful positions, maybe in our own country and abroad? Mm. Any thoughts come to your mind, you know, Gary? Stephanie, I was thinking, sometimes we're thinking, well, I can't pray for that person because mm -hmm. they're doing things that are totally contrary to what God would want or I don't like what they're doing. Mm. But what would have happened if, if Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had not continued to pray for this mm. monarch? So I think what I learn here is that what seems impossible is possible with God. Yes. Yes. And the fact that I'm praying for a leader, whatever country I live in, doesn't mean I'm necessarily their supporter, mm -hmm. but I am the one who prays for her yes. or prays for him. Travis. I was just thinking that no matter who it is, whether it's a viewer watching, it's a powerful leader, they're one decision away from choosing God's grace. Mm -hmm. Just one decision. Mm. And, and that, that applies to everyone. Yeah. Sabina. You know, so not only pray, I think just their example is to be a light. So even though they were considered small to that big nation and they were just a few, they're standing in ground for truth, for, for God made such a big difference. You know, sometimes when we look at people who are in positions of power, when they are in positions of, of cloud, they may not, uh, it may come to our mind that we have no influence to exert, and we actually do. We do, depending on our work, we may be closer to people of influence or not, but all us, as we stand for truth, we are creating an impact as well. Amen. 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 So the importance is not to be intimidated, right. but to keep praying for those who are in power. Let's now turn to 2 Kings chapter 5, and we're going to look at another Old Testament story, and this one is on Naaman. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1, and let's see. Jeffrey, would you read that for us? No problem. So I'm reading in the New International Version. Now Naaman was a was commander of the army of king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Hmm. What was Naaman's position of influence in the kingdom of Syria? He was the commander of the army. He was a commander of the army, but there is something about Naaman mm -hmm. that we read at the very end of that verse that gives us some information. Well, he said that through him, God gave great victories. All right, yes. If you stop without the last four words, yes. you'd say, wow, I wish I was like that. 
yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Powerful. And apparently God had used him mm -hmm. yeah. in some significant ways. He was loyal, mm -hmm. but he was dying. He was dying. He was a leper. And That's so right. it kind of catches us. And I think a lesson for all of us, sometimes we think, oh, those powerful people, I wish I could take their place. But every person, every woman, man, even in high position, mm -hmm. they have pain. That's right. They have challenges that they're facing. Yes. Yeah. And God sent a missionary. <laughs> Let's read about that in verses two through four. And Sabina, if you would read that for us, Second Kings chapter five, verses two through four. Who was sent on a mission to Naaman's house? Okay, so I'll be reading from the New King James Version in Second Kings chapter five, verses two to four says, and the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master saying, thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who was sent? I just love this little Gladys. girl because <laughs> she had all the reasons to be mad, to be upset, to, to be resentful towards this family. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was the captain of the army that raided her home, right. mm -hmm. yet she had that spirit to minister where she was in mm -hmm. her place of, that God has placed her. She saw it as an opportunity to influence power. Mm. So oh. how does that happen? Mm because she was a missionary mm -hmm. in a foreign land. Yeah. How does that happen? Because we're trying to learn, what is it? How do we reach those who are in position, power, and have possessions? What was it? So I think back to what was said earlier, this captive maid, as we often call her, we don't yes. know her name. That's yeah. right. She genuinely not only cared about her, her mistress, I guess you would call the person she was working for, but she cared about the husband as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think the, you know, I don't know if she said, I, I'm gonna speak truth to power. <laughs> I'm going to bring, I think she just wanted the love of God. Yes, mm. amen. To bless the family where she was. Yes, amen. indeed. So it was in her heart. You can yeah. even see it in my Bible. I, ha I see an exclamation mark. Mm. She has full confidence mm -hmm. that God can and will do something if there was a, mm. a change in position, right? Yeah. Right. If he would just go there. All right, is, there is a healing mm -hmm. that Naaman experiences. Could someone summarize what that looked like, that healing in verses 15 through 14? What did that look like? Five, yes. Five through 14. Five through 14, yes. Harold? Well, I mean, once uh, Naaman learned about this uh, person that this little girl mentioned, he sent a letter to the king of Israel and he sent him a presence, but the king of Israel was like, kind of, uh, I would say uh, mad or like, wait, am I God that I can heal or kill? Like, but then Elisha, the prophet heard about this and then he told the king, send you know, Naaman to me. And, and actually, Elisha didn't even meet uh, Naaman. So he just sent, Elisha sent like his servant or, or whoever he was training to tell him, go bathe yourself in the Jordan River seven times. And Naaman actually was very mad because Elisha 
didn't even come. And then he's like, why am I being bathed in the dirtiest river? There's other plenty of rivers. So he just went off. But then one of the servants of Naaman said, hey, you know, it's a simple command. It's nothing, it's not a big deal. And it's interesting because it does show Naaman's heart. He is sensitive. He even respects or even like considers his servants um, even advice. So he goes bathes according to the command of Elisha and he's healed. And then he goes back uh, to Elisha and tries to give him gifts and anything. And, and Elisha said, no, no, I don't want this, but I don't know if that's where you want to end, but. <laughs> that's excellent summary. Thank you. Rodney, do you want to add to that? Just to compliment Harold's summary, I think we have several missionaries here. Yes. Ah. One yes. is the little girl. Yeah. Right. And the second is Elisha's servant, who was a messenger. Sure. And the third is Naaman's servants. Yeah. So you see, mm. it's amazing to see how yeah. God works through different means to get to his end. Mm -hmm. um, who would have thought that Naaman, being who he was in the authority that he had, would listen to his servant to say, no, just, just follow the, the prophet's command. Who would have ever thought that a little girl who was in captivity mm. could speak to <laughs> Naaman in such authority to, to that there is a prophet that's available to heal you through, of course, through God. It, it's, we just never know how the Spirit will lead us, and that is why our hearts should always be open to the bidding of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rodney, for bringing that out, because sometimes we think, uh, we're the only one, right? Mm -hmm. But God is using multiple people yep. to touch the lives of individuals. Amen. And um, that's our privilege to work together. Yes, Nancy. I think something that these um, missionaries have in common is that they have love for Naaman mm -hmm. and people respond to that. Mm -hmm. Very and good, and that's true for the girl and for Naaman's servant, mm -hmm. tragically, with Gehazi, mm -hmm. yes. and this is a warning. Some people might say, I'm going to do mission to the powerful mm -hmm. for what I can get out of it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because you know, later in the story, Gehazi says, give the gifts to me. Yeah. So That's I think right. there's a word for us. We might meet a powerful person in our mm -hmm. work and say, well, I'll do this because maybe I'll get that. Mm -hmm. No, that's not what we're talking about. That's right. He ends up, Gehazi gets the leprosy Yes. that was once uh, yeah. troubling Naaman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, we need to go with a, a spirit of love and not of some kind of negotiation That's right. because I'm on a mission to the powerful. Mm -hmm. Thank yeah. you for bringing that out. I'd like us now to take a look at verses 15 through 17 in 2 Kings chapter 5. And Amy, if you would read that for us. 2 Kings 5, 15 through 17. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And he, Naaman, returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him. And he said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So Naaman said, Then if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth, for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. So how does, 
how does Naaman's testimony after his healing demonstrate that he received more than physical healing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, he recognized that he, in his position, he will have to do some things. So he wanted to make sure that they knew, or there was public knowledge that he, in his heart, he was following the true God. Zandui? Uh, He's committed into serving the only true God of Israel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In verse 17, he says, uh, neither offer burnt offering to any other gods. Mm -hmm. So he's yeah. being committed. Yes. Kenneth? Yeah, the same thing. Because um, prior to that, he was part of the Syrian worship. And now he's demonstrating that henceforth, because of my encounter with God, mm -hmm. I'm not going to go back and Amen. do the same thing. Yes. I was kind of smile, uh, Stephanie, what's this two cartloads of dirt, you know? <laughs> and yet God in His mercy mm -hmm. meets the person where he or she is. That's yeah. right. What He's trying to say, I think, maybe the group can correct me, is I want to take some back of the land that's consecrated to the Lord our God. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'm, going to, I'm going to have that in the place where I live. I'm mm -hmm. going to make a little patch. It's like, even though I'm now living in what now he believes to be a pagan environment, mm -hmm. I, I'm going to have a little patch where I say, this is, this is ground that belongs to the Lord. And to me, it's a beautiful testimony Amen. of a healing that's far beyond just taking away the leprosy. Yes. Amen. Travis. I was just going to agree. Everybody actually took the, uh, many of the thoughts that I was going to say. So that, that um, you definitely saw a, tr a spiritual transformation Amen. in his life. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to go to the New Testament. So up to this point, we've looked at King Nebuchadnezzar, we've looked at Naaman, and they are different from uh, Nicodemus, who we will be looking at in John chapter 3, in the sense that Nicodemus believed in the one true God. Mm -hmm. All right? So it's... Uh, we're looking at just a little different, through a different lens. John chapter th 3 and verses 1 through 12. And Harold, would you read that for us? Sure. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sounds, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, 
are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Mm -hmm. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Hmm. Hmm. What can we learn about Nicodemus through this night interview? Jeffrey. Uh, I kind of like, when reading through this, I kind of found it a little bit of Nicodemus having great interest, but also kind of like a resistance of like, maybe I can, you know, negotiate. It's like, well, do I really need to be born again? Can I, you know, keep my rules, keep my status, you know, all this, you know, stuff that I think contribute to salvation. But Jesus is like, that's not how it goes. Mm-hmm. All right, Kenneth. Um, one other thing I gleaned from the story of Nicodemus is that he was going through some crisis mm -hmm. and he had come to a crossroad yeah. because he said from the interaction with Jesus that we know you are from God. Yes. But yeah. I mm -hmm. think that kind of knowing, they believe he's probably a prophet, but he feel like if this person is a prophet, he's doing more than a prophet. Mm -hmm. And the scripture says this, so let me go and have this encounter to find out because he was a seeker of the truth. So mm -hmm. that is why mm -hmm. Jesus realized that his heart was open and he was able to take him on a journey of faith. What do you see, Kaninda? I think Jesus gives us a great example about how we can reach out to people who are powerful because Nicodemus had educational, um, spiritual, political privilege. And one, Jesus is not offended that Nicodemus mm -hmm. comes in the night, right? He, he is always willing to meet with someone. Two, he doesn't immediately attack him and say, you know, your knowledge is wrong, your education's wrong, you're doing all of these wrong things. And three, Jesus invites the Holy Spirit in the conversation. Mm -hmm. He introduces the Spirit to him. And four, even though they have differences, he can speak with a surety. He says, truly, truly, most assuredly, I say to you. Mm -hmm. So we can be confident without being cruel, and we mm -hmm. can ask Jesus and the Holy Spirit to be there in that mm -hmm. conversation. Amen. Thank you very much. Amy. I think Jesus and Nicodemus both recognize that what Jesus was teaching was a huge paradigm shift for Nicodemus. Nicodemus had followed everything that he believed to be true and right, and he was as good a person as there could be from his perspective. And yet Jesus was teaching something that was radically different. And Jesus in his teaching and dealing with Nicodemus was patient. He was gentle, like what Kylinda was saying, you know, he didn't just shoot him down and say, you know, your ideas are all ridiculous, you know. He was gentle, he was patient, and he took the time that Nicodemus needed to understand what this paradigm shift was and to truly trust him as well. Jesus met him where he was, right. Zandili. Uh, I wanted to say that Nicodemus was willing to step out of his own comfort zone. Yeah. He stepped out, he went to meet Jesus at night and he had a dialogue, same with Naaman. He stepped out and went to look for uh, healing and same with Nebuchadnezzar, you know, like all the powerful people that are, are in the world, if they are willing mm -hmm. to step out of their own comfort zone, God is always waiting for them. Amen. Now let's go a little bit further in Jesus' ministry and see 
what we can learn from the experience in John chapter 7, looking at verses 45 to 52. And Nancy, if you would read that for us. What change do you see in Nicodemus? John 7. 45 to 52. 45 to 52. Okay, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why have you not brought him? The officers answered, no man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered them, are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night being one of them, said to them, does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? Mm. They answered and said to him, are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. Mm. All right, what change do you see there? He was Gladys. convicted mm -hmm. that Jesus was different, that Jesus was what he was looking mm. for. So I think that he wanted to be part of the status quo, but at the same time, he wasn't. In his heart, he was convicted that God, ha he has seen the light. Harold. Well, actually, he's practicing what the law actually taught at that time, that, hey, you need to hear, before you make a judgment, hear what the person has to say. So he actually wants to implement justice and practice it accordingly. Mm -hmm. So he was, laws. I'm sorry, he was meeting them where they were. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's interesting that in his night interview with Jesus, Jesus met him where he was and he was asking questions. He continues to ask questions, mm -hmm. but now he's meeting them where they are. They are. Yeah. But Jared. he is willing to speak up. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know some people are critical of Nicodemus while he came at night, <laughs> but he came. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Mm -hmm. uh, and here, uh, Nobody else is speaking up. Uh, there was another member of the Sanhedrin named Joseph of Arimathea. Yes. But, but Nicodemus does speak up here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he doesn't say, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. We'll read later that he's willing to do that even when all the disciples run away. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. But here, I, I think we see a, a progression in his faith. Yeah and a willingness to speak out. Yes, mm -hmm. and let's, uh, Rodney, I see your hand. You know, this is a, a, a very sobering part of scripture uh, because at this point in time, Nicodemus looked like a Pharisee. He may have spoken like a Pharisee, but here we see him representing Christ where he was. Mm -hmm. And so, Stephanie, I'm thinking to myself, how many times have I looked at others thinking that they are not of Christ mm. when they too are on their own journey mm. yes. to Christ? Yep. Am I part of that process mm -hmm. to help those along mm. who don't necessarily look like me and speak like me and profess like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like us Sabbath school members, is, is it possible that there are individuals out there that are just like Nicodemus on his journey with Christ, just learning a step at a time. Amen. Yeah. And we may be a, a stumbling block in their way. So it's very sobering. And here it is, I just recall the text, other sheep I, I, I have that are not necessarily of this fold. And so it is with us today, 
we need to be very, very careful. Thank you for that solemn reality, right? Um, let's go to John chapter 19, verses 39 through 42. And Sabina, would you read that for us? John chapter 19, 39 through 42. What can we learn about Nicodemus and his actions after the death of Jesus? Okay, I'll be reading from the New King James Version in John 19, 39 to 42 says, And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of mirth and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in stripes of linen with the spices and the customs of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews preparation day for the tomb was nearby. Hmm. What can we learn about Nicodemus in those verses? Travis? Well, there's a lot of things I learned about Nicodemus. Uh, one, I, I, when I first read this verse a couple of years ago, uh, because I was studying Nicodemus and his life, when it says that he at Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, it suggested to me that as he progressed, as Rodney was saying, that he was openly not afraid to be with Jesus. And I love what Rodney had said about this progression. I, we saw that in John Mark. He got mm -hmm. scared and messed up with his travels with Paul. And then all of a sudden, he's useful for him in ministry. There's a progression here. And that's just what happens when the grace of Jesus touches the heart, mm -hmm. it compels you to service. Mm -hmm. Amen. And that's Amen. what we see yes. in the life of Nicodemus. Mm. Amen. And he had no evidence that Jesus would be raised from the dead, yes. except faith, mm -hmm. to believe what Jesus said. And so he's saying, I stand with Jesus, even the crucified Messiah, mm -hmm. when most of the disciples have run away. Mm. To me, it's an, it's an outstanding testimony mm -hmm. uh, of, of a man, a powerful leader, yes. whose life has been radically changed. Amen. And I can't help but think all of these men who we've talked about up to this point, their lives have been radically changed. Mm -hmm. And it makes you wonder when we get to heaven, some people might be surprised, right? And maybe will be surprised. And let us not uh, judge someone's, what do we call it? Their, their candidacy right. mm -hmm. for salvation, mm -hmm. right. as Rodney was mentioning. Mm -hmm. Solemn call. Let's now move to two other uh, stories. Matthew chapter 19, we'll look at verse 16 through 22. And uh, let's see, Travis, would you read that for us? Matthew 19, verses 16 through 22. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is, God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, 
honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Mm. This mission story did not go well. No. Something went wrong. Let's look at Luke chapter 19 and verses one through 10. Sandili, would you read that for us? Yes. Luke 19, uh, one through 10. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And it says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see, Je to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anybody by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to your house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Mm. Mm. Two rich men, widely different results. Mm. Mm -hmm. First question, why would one that was not a successful mission story be placed in all three gospels, in three of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke? Mm. Why did we oh. see that? Mm. Yes, Gladys. I think it's a warning mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. us where our treasure is, yeah. where our heart is. And, it, and treasure, I don't mean just money. Because sometimes we say, oh, I don't have a lot of fortune, so I'm not in danger. Anything that takes the place of God puts us in danger Anything of that, making the wrong choice. Mm -hmm. Travis. I'm going to just, um, I don't want to say disagree, but I want to say it seemingly ends well. I mean, to our... But if we keep reading the story, Jesus says, it is possible for me to get that rich man into heaven if we keep reading the story. Mm. So I don't want to say that, th I just feel like we shouldn't say that that man is lost. Seemingly it does end poorly, but we can never discount God's grace. Mm. Amen. Mm. I, th I think there's also uh, a lesson, while we don't know the outcome, mm -hmm. that we don't give up. Yes, that's right. And, uh, and, and maybe the rich and ruler never chooses, right. but, but Zacchaeus does. Yes. Amen. So the mission to the powerful for me is just like with any other person, some will say yes to the mm -hmm. grace of God and some will say no. Yeah, that's right. But we want to share with everyone. Mm. Amen. Amen. So as we come to a close in our study today, I'd like us to think of, as we look at the entire study, what are some key lessons that we can take away from our study today on the lesson to the powerful. Rodney? 
There is a quick text in Luke 19 and verse 6 that really resonates with me with regards to Zacchaeus. Luke 19 and verse 6, and I'll just read it very quickly. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Zacchaeus had the mindset, he had the purpose of meeting Jesus, mm -hmm. and he received Jesus. The Bible also goes on to say that not, not only him, but his entire family. And so it is, that's an encouragement to all of us, that if we have open hearts to Jesus, he will save us. Amen. Mm. One last testimony. So Short. in our mission to the powerful in the society, we should allow ourselves so that God can use us as people of influence to these people who also influence a greater people. Mm. Amen. Mm. Amen. Thank you very much. Much more that we could study, um, but we're glad you joined us today as we studied on mission to the powerful. Thanks so much. And, and thank you for that closing comment, uh, Kenneth, because when we share the gospel with a person of influence, she or he can have a broad impact for the kingdom of God. Amen. And don't give up even when the outcome isn't immediately positive. We keep praying like that captive maid prayed when Naaman went off, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel prayed when Nebuchadnezzar was still a pagan king, like I believe Jesus prayed for Nicodemus until he finally took his stand courageously as a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Let's pray that we can have that kind of influence on powerful people around us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you love all of your children, including the powerful. Mm -hmm. And I pray that you would give us courage to let the light of Jesus shine through us yes. to those in positions of power and influence, that they too may be a great witness to those around them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, thanks for joining us for Hope Sabbath School. Go out now and be a blessing to those around you.